All right. Well, Happy New Year. That's a good way to start. That was a great way to start, and we'll talk about it in episode 601 here. Got a lot to discuss, because we did miss an episode, and that happened to be right when the OG trade happened. So, let's get into it here, episode 601 of the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 601 of the podcast. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. They, you know, it's all wrapped up now and back to the norm. Um, it is, let's see, Tuesday, January 2nd as I record this episode of the podcast. And we are going to be diving into some New York Knicks because they're coming off a big win. Very, very, very big 112 to 106 win over the Timberwolves at Madison Square Garden yesterday on New Year's Day. Um, in my opinion, this was the best win of the season for the Knicks. I think, you know, Minnesota coming in, the number one team in the West, arguably the best team in the NBA, perhaps. Uh, the Knicks came in scuffling three in a row. Things weren't looking great. You had all the uh, casuals. I, yeah, man, I hate that word. And I hate how that word has become a fucking noun to Gen Z. <laughs> like, but, you know, you had all the casual Knicks fans who don't understand that it's more than just a basketball player being good. They were crying about the Emmanuel Quickly deal. And it's New Year's Day. So you wanted to start off hot, kind of refresh and restart. And you did. Um so, in my opinion, again, you can put this win up there with some of the best wins of the season for the Knicks. Now, in terms of signature wins, statement wins, I don't know how many you could really have in one year. I think a lot of people use that term loosely, and I like to be very sparing with them. And my signature wins on the year don't include the Lakers, the Suns, Although they were very big wins for the Knicks, they're two mediocre as hell teams. Um, some people even have a Toronto win up there. I don't have those wins up there. I have now three. I have now three signature wins for the Knicks this season. It dates back to the Miami comeback as the first one. Uh, just, you know, 
because of the history between the two teams alone and obviously coming off last year. The comeback there, 20-point center in the fourth quarter, that was the first one for me. It kind of jump-started them. Then you have the Milwaukee Christmas Day game. That's really the only other one I had. Um, that was a huge win for the Knicks, kind of jump-start. They're uh, not jump-start, but kind of just, you know, give them a much-needed one because it's been a while. it had been a while since they had another signature win. And then I'm including yesterday's 3 p.m. matinee on New Year's Day against the Timberwolves as another. So that was a big win to me. Um, it was an impressive win in OG Ananobi's debut. There was a lot of good stuff. He had an excellent debut. Uh, Randall was fantastic. Brunson was horrendous. Um, absolutely horrendous. I, I couldn't bear watching him. Did have 14 assists. That's great. But he was so bad in terms of his shot making that I, I was like really getting frustrated with it. But they still managed to win the game without him. That was awesome. Um, I Heart had three very key blocks on Rudy Gobert. Um, Quinton Grimes comes alive, knocks down a big shot down the stretch of the game. And the Knicks win 112-106 behind great defense and enough offense. Um, but, you know, let's start since, like, I didn't recap the Knicks-Pacers game because I was exhausted. I was a little under the weather this past weekend. Um, we had some family here. It was New Year's Eve. You know, it was a back-to-back. So I, I wanted to give myself some rest. Um, I want to give my thoughts before we begin diving into the specifics of this game on the OG Ananobi trade that took place on Saturday or whenever it was. Um, I just wanted to give my initial thoughts on that because I wasn't able to get them out. Um, I had a few posts on social media, but like, I, I want to be clear, like this trade wasn't really about this year, you know, because in all honesty, who really cares too deeply about 2023? Like the Knicks are going to be mediocre-ish until they, until I take that next step. Um, this deal to me was all about cap flex. Right, it was about setting themselves up for the big move down the line to be even better. That's Leon's entire plan since he's come here. Um, the Knicks are currently hard capped, right? And with the new CBA, like it, it's again, if you're pissed off about this deal, it's like please explain to me how the hell the Knicks were going to keep Randall and Brunson when they're due for a payday very soon pay quickly the 25 to 30 million annually he was expecting to get is um, when you're already paying RJ Barrett on an ascending deal and then still make that home run move down the line that gets them closer or at that championship level wasn't going to happen um, now does it suck to lose two more homegrown draft picks sure of course but like at the same time, the infatuation that some of these, like, Knicks fans have, like, some of them are, like, cult members. It's insane, the reactions I was seeing. Like, my gosh, talk about fangirling. Like, worshipping. It's kind of sickening. Like, like, I watch my favorite team not for the individual shit. Um, 
it's become, I guess with social media, it's become like all about the individual in this age. You've got Twitter pages donated, for lack of a better word, to individual players. Like, quote-unquote, Stan accounts. You know, it's it's all about the individual. I watch my team to see them win a championship. Right? I don't watch for the back of the jersey, but I watch for the front. As cliche as that is. Like, the Knicks... They weren't going to pay quickly. That started with the Josh Hart extension. And one second here. Oh, there's going to be a snowstorm this weekend. Great. Um, That started with the Josh Hart extension. It continued as soon as they signed Dante after losing Obi. You knew that was it. Right? That was the nail of the coffin. RJ... Had to go. I mean, we don't even need to discuss why he had to go. He wasn't fit. It wasn't working. It was the same player since day one. He had become a salary matcher at this point. So this deal was all about raising the Knicks floor. It was. It's nothing about this year's ceiling. Um, OG Ananobi is probably not going to save this year's mediocre Knicks. He's not going to make them like a finals contender overnight. Um, could he get them a couple extra wins? Sure. Um, and when I say mediocre Knicks, I mean like anywhere from a 10 seed play to maybe grabbing the six seed and winning the first round again. Because honestly, I'm not in last year's Knicks mode. Like I'm ready to, to take that next step. So like this year is not really in my mind. I'm not really concerned regarding that. Um, hold on one second. Sorry. Turn my phone on. Do not disturb. Um, and when I say mediocre, sorry, I totally lost track of my notes there. We already talked about the mediocre thing. Um, damn it. <laughs> I got to put my phone away. No, but like, okay, here we are. Uh, CAA. We're talking about CAA now. With the whole, like, like, people are concerned, is OG going to return? I, I don't think anyone's concerned because, like, with the whole CAA thing, how Leon operates, the Knicks are heavy on those players. You know, OG did go from clutch to CAA last year under Sam Rose. I don't think there's a question that he's going to return. They're, they made the deal, obviously, because of that. And there were even reports that OG is willing to accept a discount to stay in Nick. Um, so, regarding that whole thing, I'm not really concerned there. <clears throat> um, I, I just think it's it's a win of a deal. I think the Knicks made this deal because it's a long-term thing. It, it's, it's... They got OG on an OB without giving up not just an unprotected, but any first-round picks at all. I think we need to realize how big of a win that is. You know, sure, the, the Detroit pick... That may wind up being 31 because they've been so bad. It's basically a late first, but you know, late first is basically an early second. But like from from what Masai Ujiri was asking for regarding OG last year, you know, you heard multiple firsts plus young talent, and then to have this whole lawsuit thing going on outside that between the Knicks and the Raptors, there's no way in hell I thought the Knicks were going to get this deal done. 
that they would get a guy who fits Tibbs' system like a glove at this price. Um, and that's where, you know, that's where the on-court stuff comes into play. Because not only were the Knicks able to shed potentially two big contracts getting and getting, and getting rid of RJ and then quickly, but now they got a player coming in who's literally a perfect Tibbs guy. He's if Tibbs designed a player in a laboratory, that that's that's OG Ananobi. He's the perfect two-way wing to have that we've been starving for. He is long. He's a long, versatile, elite top of the NBA defender who can guard one to four. He's very switchable on the perimeter. So I'm interested to see going forward how Tibbs will use him in pick and roll defense. You can do many things. His scheme is going to look very good with him. Um, he can score a little bit too, right? You are getting now a 15 to 18 points per game player with efficiency in place of R.J. Barrett's 15 to 18 points per game inefficiently, right? So the spacing he's going to be able to provide, and you already saw it last night, which we'll touch on in a second, as an elite catch-and-shoot corner three-point shooter, that's the anti-R.J. Barrett, right? That's going to help Randall. It's going to help Brunson in the paint. He's going to space out the floor. He's a low-usage guy, not going to give you a ton of ISO. So I'm very also at the same time curious to see OG create with the second unit when Tibbs does stagger. And that's another thing. Like you're finally going to have someone to back up Randall when Randall goes to the bench. Not to mention Precious Achua is also here too. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> he can score in transition, so he's going to fit with the second unit. He's very efficient at the basket. That's another anti-RJ Barrett thing. And that's what makes him the perfect fit at wing in between Brunson and Randall is that it was never going to work with Brunson and Randall having RJ in between them because as good as Brunson is, as good as Randall is, RJ didn't help alleviate their deficiencies, if that makes sense. But with OG, you're now sliding in a low usage wing who can score without ISO spaces, the floor and plays elite defense. And again, that's the anti-R.J. Barrett. Um, I'm very excited to see the different lineups that Tibbs goes with now. We, we've, we're going to discuss that in this show. And as for the other two pieces in this deal, I'm not sure how Pressure Sachua is going to fit long-term. We'll see. He could help the Knicks some for now. He's a bigger wing, more of a true four, backup, small ball five. And with Malachi, we'll see. You know, the Knicks just extended Deuce. Um, maybe he gets those point guard minutes in the meantime. Or maybe that extension's just going to make him more tradable in the summertime. Um, Malachi did not play last night, but he was also banged up. Um, and regarding guard, Ian Begley, after this deal was done, did say the Knicks aren't done-done. Um, and if you're a Knicks fan who has been following the team the last month or so, you know that we're all expecting that one name to possibly be the guy they're going after next. <clears throat> and, you know, there's there's the whole clutch sports thing between Leon and Rich Paul, but I think DeJounte Murray would be a nice player to go after next. Um, people are talking about Clarkson, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 
potentially, but I think the name you're hearing right now is DeJounte, and that would be a guy who the Knicks, like, they definitely get their replacement and quickly in that sense. Um, he's a, you know, point guard, combo guard, who can, who's got wingspan and can play some defense. That's quickly like. He would start, which, you know, what is starting nowadays anyway? You know, like it's 10 of 48 minutes, five minutes to start each half. So when Brunson goes to the bench, he can still play some point guard for you. And he's able to score. He can defend smaller guards at the point of attack. He's switchable on the perimeter. And he would play very well with Brunson um, as both of them are capable of sliding on and off ball. Um, especially with Brunson this year showing that new look this season with his relocation and his his ability to catch and shoot in the corners. Um, is there a question about his fit? You could talk about some things. Yeah, sure. But I don't really see any potential DeJounte deal as a long-term thing anyway. I think this, like if you were to get DeJounte and considering his decent enough contract, He's probably being moved in that bigger deal. Does something come up down the line? But, yeah, I mean, as as for now, this deal had to happen, folks. The OG trade had to happen. I can't, like, you can't just sit here, be a team in the New York market, worship your homegrown players, and expect to get better just standing pat. The Knicks were going to remain in forever purgatory unless they did something. Well, they finally did something that made me feel a little bit better about the direction of this franchise by giving themselves the financial flexibility to do more in the future. You know, you can't just sit here and wait, 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 wait for the superstar to come because they're not coming. Not right now, at least. Like, you have to get better and progress. And this exact this exact move is going to help the Knicks do that in the future. And maybe a little bit right now. You know, I I think, like, I think he could help the Knicks this year, you know. Um, but again, in my, like, in my, maybe this is my defeatist mindset or, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too far ahead. But, like, I, I don't see, like, I'm ready to take that next step off last year. So if the Knicks get to the playoffs, get the first round win and take a couple games in the second round again, same thing as last year, like, that's nice. But I'm looking at this deal as a long-term thing that I see being successful. Um, But we can go back to the present, and we'll do that as soon as we return from our first break here on the show. BD4 episode 601. That was my initial thought on the OG and Anobi trade. And we'll talk more about this whole thing when we return from break. We'll start talking about this game, too. Stay with us. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance... Be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Okay, so welcome back to the show. Welcome back to BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. 
You are listening to episode 601, where the Knicks grabbed their biggest win yet, in my opinion, over the Timberwolves, 112-106. Last night, yesterday, I noticed, and again, this is, I'm not going to say this over and over, so I'll say it one more time. This is one game, okay? We, we have to see how this works, but it's one game against a very solid, solid defense. And you saw a lot of offensive differences with OG on the floor for the Knicks yesterday. And the, and the biggest thing for me is one of my favorite things to look for is how different the floor spacing was, right? We know that a Thibodeau offense features a lot of corner three-point looks. That's been his big thing offensively. Um, Brunson and Randall are able to generate a ton of those corner looks off of their drives and you know, Randall's post-ups have a lot of gravity, brings the defense in, opens up the corners. But really, in terms of execution, it was only Brunson and, you know, Dante DiVincenzo who knocked them down consistently. Um, And one of the bigger inconsistent shooters from the corners who just did not have it recently, especially his final game as a Nick when he was breaking everything in sight from the corners, R.J. Barrett. Right, he was often in catch and shoot, but he missed way too many corners. And replacing him with Ochian Lobi, who is consistently over forty percent from the corners, bearing one outlier year, that's going to be a a big difference in spacing. Like you already saw, OG he he was three for I don't know six, three for five from three yesterday. Two of them came from the corner. The first one came early on when I heart set that pin in screen. The second one came in the third quarter off of the Brunson driving kick with three Minnesota defenders helping in. OG's now left open. Anderson was late closing out on him. So that's going to be a big difference. Him able to space the floor and having the defense actually, they actually have to respect that and play play up on him instead of just helping middle on Brunson and Randall. You're going to see that difference. Um, the off-ball movement was something we saw a ton of times. You know, um, now you're going to see OG added into Dante and you know some Josh Hart cutting. Like Brunson, Randall, and iHeart now have another mover to look for. Um, how many times yesterday did we see those short cuts? OG Anilobi using his awareness to cut into space, cutting from the dunker spot to receive those dump-offs and throw it down. You saw a few times Dante DiVincenzo fed him in the second quarter. You saw Jalen Brunson feeding him off of a cut in the third quarter. Um, so the Knicks desperately needed another guy who could cut like that and putting that guy in the starting lineup next to Dante, that's going to help a lot. Um, he's going to attack closeouts, right? And I'm very curious here because there were times where he would attack a closeout yesterday very aggressively in the first quarter. He attacks baseline. I think he dishes it to heart. Um, and I was thinking just like him making quick, snappy decisions like that. He didn't really get that with RJ and quickly. Um, RJ could bully his way deep into the paint. But like, what was the point of it if he was either going to stupidly challenge an elite rim protector or, you know, not make his kick out quick enough or at all. Right. And with quickly, you know, he dribbles a lot, a lot of over dribbling. A lot of snaking, you know, he'll snake the pick and roll screen and he'll go in and out, up and down and maneuver. That's going to be a different look. 
OG is going to make quick decisions. Now, there were also times yesterday where OG would kind of have the ball in the corner, but he'd give it right back late in the clock to Brunson. And with RJ and quickly gone, it's also important to to mention that like the Knicks are going to need OG to be a little bit more aggressive now and not just default to Brunson and Randall late in the clock now that they have less ball handling. Deuce isn't going to cut it, you know. So when Brunson faces length, like he did yesterday, even when he gets to his spots, like he did yesterday, there's going to be more length waiting to bring help on the back line because Minnesota is big. So when he has to, de- when he has to defer Brunson, the Knicks do need another creator, and I think that's probably going to remain an issue until they make that next trade. Um, but he's bringing a lot of positives. Right, he's. We mentioned the transition finishing. He's good in transition, so that's going to be a plus. The numbers support that. It's going to work with the second unit. We saw yesterday he had a finish on a leak out. Um, he's pretty good off handoffs. You know, so I think we're going to see an uptick in this offense with iHeart as that playmaking hub up top. He, you know, maybe that can help OG improve in pick and roll where he's not elite, because a lot of the times the Knicks do. DHO into pick and roll. They'll kind of domino it together. Um, I think that will help. And these lineups are going to look different. I'm excited to see these different lineup combinations. And that's that's one thing I want to discuss when we get back from break here is the different lineups that Tom Thibodeau could now toy with. We'll talk a little about that when we return from break. Stay with us. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode five. No, say I'm already in. <laughs> I'm still stuck in the 500s. You are listening to episode 601 of the podcast. So thank you for tuning in to BD4. Um, Yeah, these lineups are, are going to look different. Uh, first of all, like regarding the starting lineup, that was a huge concern. Which, you know, Dante is in and he should stay in because he's producing. But the problem was the defense. You can now take Dante off the point of attack, off the best perimeter scorer, and put him back into help and into rotation. Because with OG Ananobi's length and his ability to defend on ball one to four, dare I say one to five, Dante can go back to playing the pass lanes. And you had someone to take on Anthony Edwards yesterday. Um, OG spent a total of six minutes on Anthony Edwards yesterday, which was the most of, of any Nick. Dante only 20 seconds. That wouldn't have been the case if the Knicks had the roster they had entering the weekend. OG, now he wasn't perfect on Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is Anthony Edwards. He's going to score his 30-plus. You know, there were a few times where he was on Edwards' hips and he got caught you know, 
he, he got beat going to the basket, but he did do a decent job on him. Um, I, I thought he did a nice job contesting. I thought he did a nice job fighting over screens and staying attached for the most part. Um, and then I also thought OG did a nice job when he switched onto Cat and guarded him in the second and fourth quarters. You know, he forced a bunch of misses on Towns contesting those floaters. You saw a ton of that. Um, he was doing a nice job staying attached off those Gobert screens and maintaining onto Towns. So the on-ball defense was good there. And also I'll throw in that OG Anilobi's off-ball defense is probably an underrated aspect here as well. His size is really going to pop out when he's the helper in the back line. Like, the Knicks can use him as the low man in certain lineups since he has the length to recover better than most do. There was a possession yesterday, it might have been the first half, where he helped up onto Gobert, but then he quickly recovers back down to deflect the lob. And I thought, like, that's something you're going to see a lot of. And he had about four, five, maybe more deflections yesterday. And it's something the Knicks are going to really benefit from defensively. Um, I I also, like Tibbs mentioned, I think this was before the game, in an interview, Fred Katz, I believe, asked him, somebody asked him, if he's willing to go small with Randall at five now, now that he has OG. Um which, like, the thing about when it was just Hart Randall at 4-5, the Knicks could really only go to a very sparingly because of the size issues. They, you know, we saw a few times against the Nets and against recently um, when they went to it a couple games ago. I'm drawing a blank against who. But they would, you know, they, they went to it a few times and they would get eaten alive on the glass, Randall would, and defensively it wouldn't work great and the matchups were bad. But, like, with OG able to slide up and defend fours, the Knicks could really lean into this more. And while they still might give up some defense, I feel like the gap between the offensive input and the defensive drop-off is going to be a lot closer now uh, because there's going to be help on both sides. Um, but as far as this game, you saw different lineups like Deuce McBride as the first sub in for Brunson. Um, his offense, once again, just doesn't seem adequate enough for him to be a sustainable backup point guard at JB. The point of attack defense, I get it. It's it's great. But I think, again, like we said, once Malachi is healthy, um, you'll probably see him. Um, I, I did like when Tibbs mixed and matched with the bench and the starters. Like, first it was Brunson and OG out there. With the second unit, I think that has some nice offensive potential. Um, and then specifically that OG, Grimes, Josh Hart lineup trio, that's going to be something that has plenty of defensive upside. You know, the amount of deferring they're going to be able to do, limiting offenses from getting into the lanes, is going to be a joy to watch. Um, the amount of deflecting... If you add Dante into that lineup, into the in the passing lanes, like wow, you add iHeart at the five there with OG Grimes, Hart, and iHeart, like it's going to be a nice front court balance on both ends of the floor. Like you have some things to do, man, that could really work. And I'm very curious to see 
how Grimes continues to look, you know, without Quickly and Arja, you thought that getting Grimes away from Brunson, or at least I did, away from him and Randall would do more. Not much of a difference right now, but like now that RJ is removed from the second unit and Quickly's not there, who was the high usage guy off the bench, you saw Grimes be much more aggressive yesterday. You saw him screening and go screening and pick and pop. You saw him attacking the basket. That's completely new. The reverse layup he had. That could have been an AM one. You saw him take an open three-pointer, so there was a possession or two where I still thought he was a little passive. But he finished the game in double figures. So does this finally help activate Quentin Grimes? I don't know. Like I said, I thought the first move would have when he went to the bench, but we'll see. This could. Um, some of the fourth quarter lineups, or that, that one lineup in particular was Zippy in the fourth quarter. It was just very poorly spaced, and it was more focused on size, which helped Minnesota kind of get back into the game. Um, but, like, there's going to be a lot of experimenting, as there should, between now and the next couple of days. Tibbs, we actually saw a rare 10 men last night, but, like, basically he ran a two-man bench with seven, like, because Deuce and Pressure Shachua only really saw seven or eight minutes together each. Um, but, like, I think once things set into stone, until that part two trade comes, I think you probably see the same starting five, and eventually it's going to, the the bench is going to mold into Malachi, Grimes, Hart, and Precious as the four-man bench unit. Um, we, we mentioned how Deucey's probably not bound to stay in the, in the, in the, in the rotation. Um, Precious, I think, will be in the rotation. Uh, I know he did not look good yesterday. I chalked that up to a terrible matchup for him. I think Minnesota is way too big. Um, Precious is is a traditional four, more of a small ball five, having to defend a double big front court in Minnesota with Cat Gobert, not to mention Nas Reed. I think he's going to thrive when he's off off of size and he's matched up with more prototypical stretch bigs because of his switchability on the perimeter. Um, I think Precious will be fine, but yeah, these lineups are going to be good. They're going to be interesting. They give the Knicks a lot more flexibility. They give Tibbs a lot more flexibility and just clearing off that guard spot a little bit with with bigger wings is, is such a difference. Um, when we return, we're going to start, you know, because I feel like we should talk a little bit about Julius Randle, who was the best player on the floor, no question, last night, yesterday. So we'll talk Julius when we return. Stay with us here on BD4. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. The Knicks win 112-106. Julius Randle is getting my is getting the game ball from yesterday's game. Bing bang. Randle was fantastic. 39 points, nine rebounds, 58% from the field. He was great. Um 
he continues to just dominate the paint. You know, the three-point shot has not been there this year, not consistently enough. So what is he doing? He's changed up his shot diet, and he's doubling down on the inside. He's on the post. He's in the short mid-range. He's getting downhill. And that's exactly what he did to get his 39-piece last night. Almost 40, but he did miss the final free throw, and his teammates got a kick out of that. Um, Yeah, I mean, he started strong, and he also finished strong. I mean, he finished with some very clutch baskets last night going inside the arc. Um, Just a number of massive baskets in a row. When Minnesota was coming a little too close, he had that turnaround hook shot in the low post when they came within four at five minutes and change. Um, he had the finish and transition, the very next possession that put the Knicks up eight. And then he activated his two-minute drill. Um, he had the jab-step jumper over McDaniels in a six-point game. He bullies Carl Anthony Towns in the post. Um, dude is, is softer than ice cream. And then he had the and one. You know, he had that and one take with about 20-something seconds, and it was a five-point game. He finishes, converts at the line, and that was kind of the icing on the cake for the Knicks. Um, so Julius Randle was fantastic. He continues to be fantastic. And again, he's the gap between Randle and Brunson um, last year, as good as they both were last year, there was a bit of a gap. This year, it's a lot more closer than people think. I still think Jalen Brunson's the best player. I still think if this team's going to get one All-Star, it'd be Brunson, excuse me. But Julius is closing that gap. Um, and now in the year, he's averaging 24, 10, and 5. And um, is this episode 602 or 601? Because I have on the screen here on this graphic that it's 602. Um, I just want to double check my phone here. I hate when I make mistakes on the graphics. Yeah, this is episode 601, so let me fix that real quick. Um, yeah, Randall, has, he has now nine... Yeah, 601. Bing, bang! Sorry about that. Randall, nine game balls on the season. Let's get back to that. Nine game balls right there, as you could see. Um, whoops, where'd it go? Here it is. That is now second amongst the starters... Uh, Jalen Brunson still leads the starting unit. And Jalen Brunson now leads the team that quickly has gotten. Um, but Julius Randle, best Nick on the floor last night. The uh, best Nick off the bench last night, you could have said Grimes. You could have said Hart. I'm going to land with Grimes because I feel like the guy deserves a break. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he finally had himself a nice game. It's been a bit. It's always, it's always a struggle trying to get Grimes going this year, but he scored 10 points, three boards. He had an assist. Um, and he had a game that he must very much needed. And like I said, he was activated. We kind of spoke on him, so there's not much else to say. But he was just more aggressive last night, yesterday. Uh, taking it to the basket with the reverse. He attacked in transition. His first shot of the game was a turnaround jumper from three. He was aggressive on the uh, on the glass. Ran a little pick and roll with high heart. Uh, and again, that second quarter lineup with Grimes, iHeart, not not iHeart, with Grimes, OG, and Hart, that can be very good with their defense. And then you add in Grimes and OG's floor spacing ability. So I think that's it. I think that's all we needed to cover regarding this game. Um, it was a good win. I don't want to dive too deep into it. It is... Uh, during the day on a Tuesday, I have a rare day off. I have classes beginning tomorrow for me. And then I have a few things to do with my uh, 
job that I have writing for a local high school team. So today I'm actually off. Today I'm off. So I got to record this during the middle of the day like a bum. So um, that's it for episode 601. We're going to head to our final break, get back, and wrap it up with our trivia. Stay with us. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You were listening to episode 601 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We do Yankees every series, Knicks every game, and MMA on occasion. Thank you for tuning in. Um, And I feel like that's pretty much it for this one. So let's wrap it up with our trivia, and then that will be that. All right, so in this episode, episode uh, 601, Jesus, I was going to say five again. In episode 601, our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day is, before J.R. Smith in 2013, who was the last Nick to win a six-man-of-the-year award? And what year? Before J.R. Smith in 2013, who was the last Nick to win a six-man-of-the-year award? And what year? All right. So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout out on the next show. But as for this episode, I believe that's it. Um, I'll see you in 602 when we are talking. Who do they play next? I think they have Chicago. That's going to be a win. Chicago one's got to be a win coming up tomorrow because after that, you have the first of a back to back, which is Philly. So. The good thing is that outside this Philly game, you have Chicago tomorrow, Philly Friday, and then I think two more underwhelming teams. So you can build yourself back into that playoff race. Because right now the Knicks are not in the playoffs. Right now they're out of the playoff picture. They are in the play-in picture. And they're a little bit down. They're like eighth. So some important games coming up. Got to beat the teams you need to beat and, you know, We'll see where we land after that. But this was definitely a statement win um, to be able to beat a tough Minnesota team like this. The first time they played, didn't think it didn't think the Knicks were going to show up like this, considering the first time they played, considering the way they played them the first time. Uh, yeah, that's it. So I appreciate you all tuning in. I'm your host, RJ. Episode 601 is in the books, and I'll see you in the next show. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well.
BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.